We are in Judges chapter 2. If you were up on Facebook at all today, you have an idea of what we're getting into. If you weren't, then you have no idea. That's okay. You'll find out now. <laughs> Last week we were in Judges chapter 1, and we looked at how the battle was incomplete. The victory was incomplete, that they were not getting the they were not getting rid of the inhabitants of the land. And we saw that just because we go into battle, it does not mean we win. A lot of Christians want to believe that because they showed up for the faith battle, they should win simply because I showed up, because I'm here, because I declared I'm in the battle. Just because you declare you're in the battle, just because you go into the promised land, just because you believe the promises of God does not mean you win the battle. It takes understanding, faith, courage, and obedience. Understanding, we said, is as in knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. It takes understanding, faith, courage, and obedience. You have to have a proper, correct understanding of what the Word of God says. Not your own idea, not religion's idea. It must be the truth of the Word of God. That is, the, like we're talking about on Sunday, the only place light comes from is truth. It's got to be based on the truth, not on what other people have said. It's got to be the truth. We have to have that understanding. We then have to have faith in the things that God has said, courage to stand up and to do it, and obedience to do the things that He says. That was last week. Now we're on to this week. Some interesting things here in, in Judges chapter 2. We already got into the first six verses last week. We're going to pick up here at verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Now you know that's bad as soon as it says that. <laughs> Every single time in the Word of God that it says they served the Lord all the days of and whoever, you know that means that as soon as they were gone, they didn't serve Him anymore. You don't have to go read the rest of the story. You should, but you, don't have, you just know as soon as you see that in the Word of God, it means they left the Lord. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. So we're seeing that word all show up a whole lot, aren't we? So the ones who had seen the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel, that generation, that group of leaders. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. They buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Heres in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. When all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which He had done for Israel. It seems that we're always going from one generation to another. But as we look over the years of humanity, even though a generation gradually flows into another generation, every generation has its tells. Every single one has. We look in our country, we had the generation of the 50s. Was that different from the generation of the 60s? Which was in turn different from the generation of the 70s. Each one of those decades, and that's just a decade, a generation is really more than that, but each of those decades is distinct in its characteristics and its traits for the youth, for the adults, for the group that, that came out of there. And those traits seem to permeate all of the, most of, not all, but most of that generation. And then the next generation would come up and they would be different. Most times it seemed that they weren't as good as the one prior. 
We had some spectacular generations in this country. Unfortunately, the generations that are around here now are not taking after that. It does not mean all. But it certainly means when we look over the things that are going on, it is, it is remarkably different. We look back into, just into things that we had done. This, this country took on doing things that people thought was impossible. We took on stuff as a nation, this nation, the United States, over any other nation that is out there. This nation has taken on tasks that the world thought impossible, and we've done them. When, the, when it was impossible for anyone else to get it done, the world would turn to the United States. Time and time and time and time again. You go back to the Panama Canal. How many nations tried to dig it? Everyone saw its benefit. There were several nations who tried to dig it before. Everyone failed. They gave up. We got in there and we faced the same things they faced, but we won. And we, we built the canal. And the whole world prospers because of that canal that has been built. Because we put our know-how to it. And we did it. We had a generation that said, we can do it. This generation built, and not that, but that, that uh, generations uh, that were here, we built things like the Hoover Dam, the Golden Gate Bridge, the Empire State Building, things that were thought impossible at the time. And we did it. We built jetliners far bigger than anyone ever thought could fly. Ocean liners far bigger than anyone thought could sail. And then, of course, we put a man in space and on the moon. And we've gone even farther because we believed that we could. Now, we're told by our government that we can't build a 10-foot high wall across the border of Texas. We have made planes fly that are invisible to radar. We have made bombs capable of destroying buildings and people. And when people didn't like that, we made bombs that would just destroy the people. We have come up with so many different things. When the enemy went underground, we found bombs that would get them. When the people complained that too many innocent people were dying, we found ways to make bombs that would hit within feet of its target, despite the fact that they were shot from miles away. But now we're coming to a generation who looks at a task and sees it's difficult and says, oh well, this generation is dying out. And once it was gone, the people went from following after God to not following after God. So there's some things we can learn in here because we're seeing in this country that we're losing. Some of the, not, all, not all about the place. There are a number of people in this generation, this current generation raising up, that believe anything is possible and have taken on some really incredible tasks. But as a whole... We're not seeing it done the way that it was before. The work ethic is less. The diligence is not there. The respect seems to be absent. When all that generation had gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which they had done. Now, that's just before we get into the, the, the real nuts and bolts of this, we ought to just take a look at some things. I just had some fun sitting down and comparing one generation to another. 
In Joshua chapter 24, verse 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. So there it's telling us about basically the same thing. The generation that went into the promised land had some unique characteristics about it. The generation that was in the wilderness also had some unique characteristics about it. The wilderness generation was quick to complain. The wilderness generation was quick to doubt. They were quick to disobey. I mean, they were fast. If there was an opportunity to complain, 30 seconds wouldn't go by before it would be out of their mouth. If a bad situation came up, they're doubting God before everybody even knows what's happening. If there's a way to disobey God, they were quick to do it. If God said, don't gather anything on the Sabbath day, they gathered. If God said, gather twice as much on the Saturday or the day before the Sabbath, then they didn't. <laughs> if He said, don't keep the manna overnight, then they did. <laughs> they were quick to disobey. That manna one just was astounding. Because God would say, don't store it overnight. So they did. And it all smelled. And so you know exactly who it was who disobeyed because their house stunk. And so then he, he'd tell them, the same person would say, don't store it overnight, but up the night before the Sabbath, store up twice as much. So the same ones who didn't obey and stored it overnight, now they're not going to do it because, well, it stunk up my house before. They're quick to disobey. They were quick to go back to what was known. How often do we hear the words, let's go back to Egypt. Oh, it was so good for us then. Oh, we had all the onions and leeks and garlic we wanted. They forgot all the bad stuff. That generation, the wilderness generation, lacked endurance, courage, and faith. They could not endure anything. As soon as the pressure was applied, they squealed. As soon as the enemy showed up, they were afraid. As soon as faith was needed, they doubted. Now, I began to think about this, and I had to think a long time about it. And maybe you put some thought to it too. You can, you can kind of come up with something. But what good qualities did they have? <laughs> There's a lot of them. <laughs> the wilderness generation that wandered around the wilderness for all those years. What good qualities did they have? I thought of one. They could get excited. Right? They get, if things went good, if God delivered them, they got excited. They also got excited when things didn't look so good. They were very emotional people. They got very excited very quickly. And of course, would swing back the other way just as fast. You'll see that no better than when they went in to send the spies in. They came on back, gave the bad report, and they said, we're not going in. So God said, fine, I'm not giving it to you then. You're going to go back into the world. No, 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 we'll go ahead and go in. <laughs> and so they're quick to do one thing or they're just quick just to get there. They're just emotionally led. You can ponder that about the wilderness generation somewhere on your own. But how about the promised land generation, the one that went into the promised land? Well, they were quick to believe. They were diligent in obedience. They were quick to believe. They were diligent in obedience. When God said to do something a certain way, this generation did it exactly the way God said. Amazingly so. You saw that with, with uh, the crossing of the Jordan. You saw it with going into Jericho. You saw it when God said, now that you're in the promised land, all of you are going to be circumcised, even though that made no sense. And the previous generation, they would have 
been quick to disobey. They would have been complaining about it. They would have doubted that this would have worked. They would have gone back to what they would have known. We know how they would have responded. But this generation said, all right, you want us to? That's fine. We'll do that. They were diligent in obedience. They were ready at the drop of a hat to believe. They were, they were ready. They were quick to believe and they were always ready to believe. Always. They possessed endurance. That group could endure all sorts of things. When they had bad times at AI, they endured. When their leaders made a covenant that they shouldn't have made, they endured. When they faced battle after battle after battle, they endured. They had great endurance. They respected authority. The generation that was in the wilderness, how many times did they rise up against Aaron and Moses? Or Aaron and her? How many times did the generation that's in the promised land rise up against Joshua? They didn't do it. Because they respected authority. And they continued that. They didn't always like what, the, what Joshua and the leaders did with the covenant that they made. and They, they didn't always like it. But they respected authority. They were, they were good at that. Isn't that quite a contrast to what the previous one was? And they were loyal to God. The other one was quick to, to go off and to make golden calves and find somebody else to lead them. But the group that went into the promised land, they were loyal to God. It is almost a direct opposite generation. It's almost like they said, all right, we saw all the nasty things about you and we're going to do the opposite. And they just seemed like they did that. They just did the opposite all the time. Have you ever had somebody, you know, close in your family? You didn't like some of the things they did. And so you decided to be the opposite. <laughs> I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to do. And you became the opposite. You, it was a diligent effort. It was a diligent. I'm not going to do it this way. They, it almost seems like they did that. They said, we're just not going to be that way. We're going to be something different. But then the generation that came after them, it says that they did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done. Now, there's only a few reasons that you don't know what the Lord has done. And the Lord had set up many uh, ceremonies, monuments, things to remind them about what had happened. So we have to ask three questions. First off, was it because they were not taught? Did this generation not know the Lord because it was not taught? Did they not know the work that the Lord had done because they were not taught the work that they had done? Now, we already looked over what the characteristics of the generation that was before. How many of you think that generation was a generation that did not teach their kids about what the Lord had done or who the Lord was? I don't get that from that generation. I don't see that there's any way that that generation went into the promised land was not diligent to teach their children about it. But the Word of God tells us that the generation did not know the Lord nor the work which He had done. Second reason, one was they were not taught the second or that they did not remember. How many of you have been taught some things and just didn't remember it? Forgot. <laughs> well, that can be, that can happen and then suddenly you're, oh, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get right in line with it. That might be. Maybe they just didn't remember. But it said, not that they didn't remember. It said, they did not know. 
if they did not know, are you thinking more that they were not taught or that they did not remember? (laughs) Well, I have a third option. Because I'm pretty sure that they were taught. The Word doesn't say that they did not remember. So I'm thinking it's more than number three. They did not highly regard it. They did not highly regard it. If you do not highly regard a thing, if you disregard it, then you will never know it. You will never know it. I, re- I, made it, I shortened it this way in my outline. These three, knowledge, recollection, importance. Knowledge, recollection, and importance. It's not enough just to be taught. We have to recognize the importance of what we are learning has in our life. Their parents probably spent time telling them about the things the Lord had done. And they just, that's eh, not a big deal. Oh, there goes dad. There goes mom harping on about Jordan River again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Jericho. These are the walls. All right. Bunch of rocks. Why is that important for me? They did not highly regard it. If you don't highly regard a thing, you, you're not going to see its importance. You may, you, you may remember it, but you don't know it because you didn't spend any time with it. How many of you can remember sitting in algebra class? You remember, but you don't know algebra. Why? I would gather, gather to say that you didn't highly regard it. <laughs> How many times when we're going through algebra class, we're saying, oh, dear Lord, I can't wait for this to be over. (laughs) What in the world am I ever going to need to figure out what X and Y means or equals? And we couldn't see the value of it, the benefit of it. We did not highly regard it. And so we don't know it. You might remember sitting in class, but you don't know the stuff. But how many had some classes in, in school that you highly regarded. That you saw the importance of it right from the beginning. And you applied yourself to it. And you learned everything you could. And to this day, you still have the knowledge that you need. For some of us, it was English, English, English class. I know some people who got an English class and just loved it. That was not me. Did not love English class. I pretty much disregarded English class as being unimportant and not valuable and just had to survive it and get through. Despised English class. Why are we learning this stuff? Didn't think too highly of home ec. I despised gym class when we got into square dancing, especially since they took half of our hockey time away from us to subject us to Seth to... Square dancing. I could not understand that at all. (coughs) Math. Some math I regarded highly and some of them I regarded very little. I know when I went through algebra the first time, I disregarded algebra. The first time. time. I went through a second time when my kids were learning (coughs) it. And then I had to learn it. And when Alyssa was going through, I was her math teacher. We were homeschooling her at that time and So I had to learn algebra so that I could teach it. It was so much easier the second time. (laughs) 
so much easier the second time. Of course, I had a little different regard for it the second time. And it certainly did help. Science, I always saw the importance of that. Never had a problem with it. Loved every, every type of science class. We've got to highly regard these things. We've got to understand knowledge, recollection, and importance. I've got to get the knowledge. I've got to be taught. I need to remember the things that I'm taught. And that will come when I regard it highly, when I see its importance. What we remember and regard, we tend to emulate. What we remember and regard, we tend to emulate. If you don't remember it, you don't regard it, you're not going to follow after it. Verse 11, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. It didn't say they did evil in their own sight. It said they did evil in the sight of the Lord. There's very often that people are doing things that are right in their eyes, but they are evil in the eyes of the Lord. What's important is the eyes of the Lord. But how many times do we hear this attitude from people? Well, I don't believe that that's wrong. Well, I don't see what's wrong with that. Well, I should just be able to do what I want. This is the attitude that they have. The Word of God tells us that in this time frame, this generation, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Not the eyes of the Lord. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and they followed other gods from among the peoples, from the gods of the people who were around them and they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. Now what is remarkable is that this generation seems to emulate the generation that came before their parents. They, they, remember the generation of wilderness? How quick were they to serve other gods? When they were in Egypt... Who were they serving? Other gods. That's why they built the golden calf. Because that was a god that they had seen, served before. They served it again. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them. It's remarkable that people would serve gods that their god defeated. But they're not thinking it that way, are they? They don't look at it in that direction. They forsook the Lord. They followed other gods. They provoked the Lord to anger. You ever been provoked to anger? What was the response? Was it a good one? And yet these folks provoked the Lord to anger. You've got to wonder about it because sometimes kids or neighbors or people, they provoked you to anger in the past and things didn't go so well. But then it seems that they'll go right back and do it again. They don't have that respect for authority. Verse 14, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, so He delivered them into the hands of the plunderers who despoiled them, and He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity as the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Distress is a great thing for causing people to change directions. 
If you are not under any distress, you don't change direction. It is being under distress that causes us to change directions. We learned this early on because when we're little, mom and dad, when we're old enough to disobey, we are old enough to get a spanking. A spanking is, is generated to cause us distress. <laughs> we're, we're trying to cause distress in the life. We're trying to make the path that you are on less desirable in hopes that you get off that path and go on to another one. Not everybody does. And certainly these folks didn't, but they began to follow along a path that was distressful. They couldn't stand before their enemies. Their enemies were coming stealing stuff from them. It wasn't going well. They weren't comfortable in their own homes. Enemy would come along and hurt them, kill them, steal their stuff. And they were greatly distressed. Now the Lord loves these folks just like you would love your kids. In verse 16, Nevertheless the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. So they would follow after a direction. God would take His hands off them and says, Fine, you can't stand before your enemies unless I'm there to help you. And they didn't. And they became distressed and they cried out to the Lord. And so the Lord sent them judges. He'd raise up judges for them to, to bring them out. In verse 17, Yet they would not listen to their judges. <laughs> they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. Which fathers? The ones in the promised land. In obeying the commands of the Lord, they did not do so. Previous generation obeyed the commands of the Lord. This generation? Nope. They're going like the one before. It seems like good was there for one generation and then all the evils came back upon them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. Quickly. And you've got to be amazed sometimes at how quickly some situations change. Have you ever had friendships that quickly vanished? People that you were close to that quickly got angry at you and never spoke to you again. Quickly. You've got to wonder what, what happens to people. How do people get into that? There's got to be something, some kind of a makeup about them. Because you think of yourself... I hope anyway. And do you quickly turn against people? There's something about following after God that causes that not to be so. And there's people who claim to follow after God but quickly turn against things. God has not become a reality. They didn't know God. They didn't have that respect for the things that they, they should have. They didn't listen well. It says they would not listen to their judges. This is a generation that does not listen. When the parents were teaching them, when they were telling them about what God had done, they did not listen. Now, when you put that in there, that does not mean they did not hear. It means they did not listen. They didn't listen. How many? Oh, we're good at this. We're good at hearing, but not listening. When the TV goes from the show that you're watching to the commercial, what happens to our listening? We tune it out. I know sometimes, you know, we're watching the show. I sit there with my wife and she sees something on the commercial she thought was funny. Did you see that? What? <laughs> I totally tuned it out. I was not listening to them at all. It's a commercial. What, what value is the commercial here? I mean, the commercial's got to sell you in the fact that you want to listen to this thing. And there's a few commercials that are out there that have, have uh, struck a chord with people. 
And we generally like to listen to them. Remember Alka-Seltzer commercials? Oh, they were wonderful. We used to, oh, Alka-Seltzer commercial. Let's listen to this. See what happens. You know, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Stuff like that. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. All that sort of stuff. That was, that was all great. Now, you know, the, some of the more modern ones we have in there is uh, the E-Trade babies. Oh, the E-Trade babies are fun to watch, aren't they? The things that they do and, and stuff. I have really no desire to get on E-Trade, but I love the E-Trade commercials. <laughs> they're, they're cute. They're fun. Seeing the things that the, the kid does. They did not listen. They would not listen to the judges. So God would raise up people that had the way for them to get out of the problems that they were in and they would not listen. So as you go through the book of Judges, understand this is His purpose for the judges. To bring them out of their calamity. To bring them out of their distress. All they had to do is listen. But they would not listen to their judges but played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They didn't listen. They didn't respond. It's nothing wrong with the judges here. It's not, nothing wrong with their parents. Their parents taught them. The parents brought them up because the parents saw the value of this. The parents demonstrated quick obedience, diligence, listening. They demonstrated all those things for them. They taught them the principles. They gave them the Word of God. And they did not listen. And they went on in their own direction. I think it was Tony Cook who was uh, teaching us some, some time back, years back. And he would talk about some of the things that would happen in, uh, in you know, organizations, churches, so forth. That sometimes you had some organizations that had great employees, great people that helped out. Sometimes there were... Sometimes it was a result of some great leadership they had in there. But he said, a lot of times we look at this and we say, well, if they have good employees, then they must have good leaders. He said, it's not always the case. Sometimes, in the places that he had been at, he had seen some tremendous uh, employees or followers and terrible leadership. And sometimes he saw great leadership and terrible followers. And he taught us, he said, you can have great leadership and lousy followers. And you can have lousy leaders and great followers. But boy, if you ever get the two together. <laughs> what makes a good follower? They listen. They respect. Look at this promised land generation. Those are qualities that are good followers. It's important for us to be a good follower as well as being good leaders because we all follow after God. So they would not listen to their judges turn quickly in the way in which their fathers turn quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. They were not it's not always or not always are we untaught or un, un, or forgetful. Sometimes we just don't listen. Sometimes we just don't listen. There are many times, you know, I've I've heard other uh, pastors and teachers talk about things, but in particular, pastors who pastor a church, they say, I've taught this principle, taught this principle, taught this principle, and then all of a sudden, you bring somebody in for as a guest speaker, and they come in, they teach it, and they're, oh, wow, I've never heard this before. Why? They didn't listen. They didn't listen. It takes practice, diligence, and learning to understand how to listen. 
Listening is not just hearing. Listening involves more. If we are going to be good followers, we need to be good listeners. I need to tune in to the right thing. doesn't mean that I listen to everything. A good listener is deaf to the right things and hears the good things. You know, there are some times that some friends and family have done some things and we need to just kind of turn a deaf ear to it because it will just bother us later on and just hinder us from it. Just, uh, I'm not even going to pay attention to that. I'm just going to go on. You need to become a good listener. The Bible has principles about listening. When the Lord raised up judges for them in verse 18, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. Now, the Lord was with the judge. That's what the Bible is telling us. That when he would raise up a judge, the Lord was with the judge. Was the presence of the Lord with the judge enough to get the people to listen? It says that they didn't listen to their judges. Even though the presence of the Lord was with the judge, the people didn't listen. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Now this has a lot to do with what we're doing in the Sunday morning series. They became stubborn and would not move out of the way that they were in. They would not hear the proper things to get them out of it. They didn't listen to the judges. They didn't recognize the hand of God on the judges. And they went in their own way. They became even more corrupt than the generation that was in the wilderness. They followed in a more corrupt way, became more distressful, more following after idols, found more idols to follow, found worse ways to follow the idols. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. They served themselves and they served other gods. They did not serve the Lord. The Lord raised up judges for deliverance, but after they were delivered, they would revert back to their old ways. There was a reversion back into the old things. Sometimes you try and help people out and they keep reverting back to their own way. Why? They don't know how to listen. When Jesus ran into people who didn't listen, what did He do? He stopped talking to them. It is easy to... I think it's... Anyway, I think it's easy to turn a deaf ear to words that you don't want to hear than it is to the lack of them. All of a sudden, we're not saying the things to them anymore. Well, how come you're not telling me that I shouldn't do that? How come you're not telling me this? How come you're not... You're not listening. There's no real reason for me to go on with that. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And He said, Because this nation has transgressed My covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded My voice. Has not heeded my voice. What's what's another way to say that? They didn't listen. (laughs) They did not listen. Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations. He said, in other words, he's saying this, we have a covenant. 
but I'm not going to do this part because you guys aren't doing this. I'm not going to dry them out. I said I would dry them out, but I'm not going to do it because you guys aren't doing this. I will also no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did He deliver them into the hand of Joshua. Now, they eventually did all go. Under Saul and David, they expelled most of these folks that were there. But He left them in there. And throughout the book of Judges, they kept falling back and listening to them. Now, here's the thing. No matter how good we are, we look at ourselves and we look at how, you know, how good I understand the Word or how good I am at following God or how good I am as a worshiper or how good I am as a follower or how good I am at obeying, learning, whatever it is that we think that we do. No matter how good we are, we will be replaced. Understand this. No matter how good we think we are, we will be replaced. Saul thought himself to be pretty good as a king, didn't he? But he was replaced. I'm sure David thought himself to be pretty good as a king, and I'm sure he was right. He was a good king. But guess what? He was replaced. I, Moses was a pretty good leader. But guess what happened? He was replaced. Joshua was a real good leader too. Guess what happened? He was replaced. Jeremiah was a fantastic prophet. Guess what? Paul was a wonderful apostle. But he was replaced. <laughs> Peter was a great apostle to the Jews, but he was replaced. No matter how good we are, we will be replaced. So the question is, how good will those replacements be? How good will the replacements be? That's what we call this lesson, the replacements. How many remember the movie? I didn't see the whole movie. I saw parts of it here and there, but... I just uh, I know it was an NFL game and all the players went on strike and they had the replacements that came on in and and then, you know of course that happened in real life too. We had the replacements that came on in and the replacements were not as good as the ones that were there. But some of them didn't have the attitude, and in some ways they were better. How good will the replacements be that are going to be replacing us? The Lord tarries. The Lord doesn't come back as soon as we think. How good are the replacements going to be for us? We need to teach them to listen. We need to find ways to encourage them to listen and to hear and to regard highly things that are important. If we don't regard those things, if we don't see them as important, they will fall away from them. They will slip away. The Lord will help us to do this because obviously it's what he wants too. It's what he wants. We can teach, we can teach, and we can teach. But people need to remember. Maybe they do remember, but they never highly regarded the things they were taught. What we have to make sure that we do is that we ourselves have to highly regard the things that the Lord has taught us. If we highly regard it, it is before us all the time. We don't let it slip by. We keep it highly regarded. When God puts something into our hand to do, 
we highly regard it. If we do not highly regard it, it will slip away. There are authorities in those things that He has given us. If we do not highly regard the authority, it will slip away. What are the traits of the promised land generation that we want to emulate? What are the traits of the wilderness generation that we want to avoid? If you are not mindful of what they are, more than likely, you're going to pick them up. More than likely, you're going to go after some of those things. Not realizing it, but you're going to go after it. The problem with the wilderness generation is they didn't think back on the previous times that God has delivered them. And remember, God delivered us before to deliver us again. And they immediately went to complaining and griping and moaning. How many things has God given us, God given to us? A ministry, an opportunity, some knowledge, some understanding, some wisdom. Do we complain about it? Do we complain about being involved in the thing? Do we highly regard it? Because you can tell the difference between one who highly regards a thing and one who doesn't. You know the difference. How many things you have around your house that you highly regard? How many things do you not highly regard? You, can, you know exactly how to pick it out. The things that you highly regard have a place of prominence. They're protected. They're in a place where you can see them and enjoy them, but where they're safe because we highly regard them. I, I like that thing. We don't toss it out in the backyard. We don't leave it out in the rain. We highly regard it. What are the things that God has given us that maybe have slipped from that place of being highly regarded? What authorities in our life have slipped from a place of being highly regarded? What are we not listening to that we should be listening to? Am I teaching myself to ignore some of the things that were important, some of the things that God had given me, just not paying attention to it the way that I, the way that I should. You can train yourself up to listen and tune in what's important. The same way that when we're growing up, we learn the voice of mom and dad. We can pick mom and dad's voice out of anywhere. We've trained ourselves to do it because we highly regard it. Oh, mom and dad will get me out of this situation. Where's that voice? Where's that voice? And now it's there. You listen. You can't wait to hear it. You're tuning it in. You're focused on it. We can tune in to the things that are important. We can listen to those things. But it takes some effort. It takes great effort at first to be able to tune in what you need to and begin to retain it. Begin to pull that stuff into your life. Make sure that you do. Oh, make sure that you do. We get into some of those messages. We hear some of the great teachers that have gone before us. Messages on healing, messages on faith, messages on finances, messages on obedience, messages on reverence. We need to hear what it is they had to say. We need to hear what God is speaking 
to us from other people that are around now. What are they saying? And learn to highly regard it. I've told you the stories before, but when I was cutting my teeth on faith and healing and all the things that were involved in that, and I had people in my life came in like Brother Doug Jones and Rick Renner and Kenneth Hagin, many others, Pastor Bob Yanyan. I would take some of their tapes and I would listen closely. And I would listen over and over and over. One person was so hard for me to get the principles out of it that I sat there with no other thing to focus on other than what they were teaching. Stopped doing everything else. Didn't clean the house, didn't drive in the car, didn't nothing. Just sat there, had a notepad, and I wrote down. I transcribed his message because I wanted to get what he was saying. And I went over every word, every word. It took me hours to pull out what I needed. And then I would go over the whole thing again and then go over the whole thing again and go over the whole thing again because I knew I'm not hearing it yet. There's more to be heard. Years and years and years of listening and listening and listening. And I can pull stuff out now faster than I ever could before. I not only hear the things that they had taught, I begin to hear other things because I train myself to hear. You've got to train yourself to hear. There are a lot of people out there, well, yeah, I heard that message. No, you didn't hear, but you can't tell them that. They won't listen. You didn't hear it yet. Is it working in your life? Well, no, not yet. Then you didn't hear it. You need to get in there and hear it again. Oh, I don't I want to do There's no regard. There's no regard for it. No, when you get to the point where you said, oh, no, I'm going to get that. I, I know there's more in there. I know there's more in there. I got to the point where I'd be reading the Bible and I would read and all of a sudden there's something in there. I'm not hearing it yet, but there's something in there. I know it. I can hear the echo. There's something there. And I would get into it and get into it and pray about it and get into it and pray and get into it and pray and get into it and mm, eyes were opened up. Oh, I see that. Oh, yeah, I see that now. Train yourself to hear. Oh, it's so important that we regard those things because what this generation lacked was not being taught, probably even remembered, and there were plenty of remembrances all around. What they lacked was they would not listen. And a generation that had gone through and was in a promised land because of the deliverance of God walked away from Him and served Baals, the Ashtoreth, and other things. Say, well, I won't happen to me. <laughs> make sure you listen. Oh, make sure you listen. It's so important that we do. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to train us up to be good listeners. We've got lots of teaching all around. There is plenty of teaching all around. But we need to hear it. We need to listen. We need to be diligent. We need to pull things out of there, not just hear the words but all to get their revelation. We need to take on those traits of that promised land generation. We need to study the traits they had. What did they do? Why? How were they quick to obey? How did they respect authority the way that they did? What did they not do? Why is it that we don't hear them going about grumbling and complaining? 
We need to look at the traits that they had and say, I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to emulate. That's what I'm going to do. Because that's the way I want to be. Oh, Father, I thank You for the help that You give us. We've seen generation and generation and generation come and go. And it seems that each generation, when we fail to listen to the outside source of our God, we become very attuned to listening to those that are around us. Because we will listen to something. The nation that was in the wilderness, the nation that was in the promised land, and the nation that remained after all those had died off. They all listened to something. But one stood out because they listened to the Word of God. The other ones listened to other things. They listened to the people that were around them. Help us, Father, to not listen to what is around us, to emulate them, but to listen to You and emulate You. Emulate the traits that Your Word puts in us. Emulate the traits of the light Traits of the life of God. Traits of the love of God. That's what we want to emulate. Help us, Father. We want to turn ourselves into the best listeners that we can be. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.